for listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program in a marginally better day than yesterday. Uh, weather-wise, I was talking to Anthony Farnell, our meteorologist there at Global News, and he said, hey, here's the good news. Tomorrow, the temperature will be double. Double. Like, yeah, but it was only seven on Monday. <laughs> and it's still, it like, seasonal is 19. So you get a sense here that it is chilly and it is not going to let up. But the good news is that it finally looks like it's going to be nice. And that long weekend that's coming up that everybody's got their eye on already looks pretty good into the 20s. Which you know, it you know, making plans on the, on the 2-4 is always such a roll of the dice. I remember, do you ever do this? Plan to go camping on the 2-4? You ever try that? And then you're like 50-50. It's going to be shorts and t-shirts or snow. One or the other. You never get anything in between. we got a big radio program ahead. We're going to be talking about dental plans and whether or not you deserve to have free dental. Well, there's polls that say that, you know, Canadians want that. But at the end of the day, who's going to pay for that? Who's Who's going to put that filling in? That ain't free. Speaking of free... We're going to talk about Netflix. Did you realize that Netflix does not pay tax in Canada? This is a big issue. And at one point, Justin Trudeau was like, hey, I love my Netflix. I love my Breaking Bad. I I wouldn't do that. And now things are starting to change a little bit. Thank you. We are going to, I'll binge watch that later. Uh, We're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into the entrails of that and see what happens. But may and oh, and here's the thing I'm really looking forward to in the second half. Did you, I'm going to tell you this right now. I am going to Milwaukee right after the show. After the show, I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to fly to Chicago. I'm going to rent a car. I'm going to go drive to Milwaukee, and I'm going to be there to cover Game One, which of course is Wednesday, Game One against the Milwaukee Bucks. And you will be hearing me on this radio station and seeing me on Global News as I report live. All of the fun and frivolity and try and figure out what in the world is going on in Milwaukee. What is it? I don't know anything about Milwaukee. Nothing. Later on in the program, a uh, sports radio uh, hero, talk talk radio guy, big deal. The guy is a big deal in Milwaukee, is going to join me on the radio show. And he's going to tell me what I need to know about Milwaukee. And then I'm going to tell him about how we're going to come to his town and we're going to burn it down. I mean... Basketball-wise. Everybody playing with each other on both ends of the floor. Kawhi. That's kind of it's kind of spicy. Spicy P. Kawhi a little bit. Thank you, Kawhi. If Doug Ford heard that, he'd be like, wash his mouth out with soap. But can I ask just one thing? Can we stop being idiots for just one moment? You know who I'm talking to. This from Canadian Press. You heard about the Amber Alert in the news? This from Canadian Press. Toronto police say people upset about Amber Alert notifications on their cell phones should not call 911. They say they received a number of complaints today about being awakened by an alert issued for a three-year-old boy. Greater Sudbury Police issued the alert at about 5 a.m., alleging the boy had been abducted by his mother. The boy was found safe at 8 a.m., and another alert went out to the public. Now, Toronto police on Twitter said, 
Once again, our communication center has been receiving a number of calls from citizens using it as a platform to complain about being awakened by the Amber Alert. John Tory, the mayor, got a bit of a finger wag in here on Twitter. 911 is not a complaint line, he said. Please only call 911 for emergencies. Being woken up by an Amber Alert is not an emergency. I'm reading from John Tory on Twitter, and I think... I think everyone agrees that John Tory should only communicate by Twitter because otherwise he just never stops talking, which is a problem. But what is going on? Why is it that people haven't got this message yet? And I can rail on about it. And I tell you, if you go on social media, there's all of these people all high and mighty about, like nobody ever admits to be the person that calls. Right, here's a couple of people when we talk to them today saying, Well, what do you think about the Amber Alert? Should people complain? What what do you what's your thoughts? If it's your child, you'd want everything done and all the resources being used to um, locate your child, so it's totally necessary. People's safety is, is key, right? I don't think it's ever a problem to send an Amber Alert. If a kid's in danger, a kid's in danger. Could be your child. I think it's pretty selfish of them. Um, to be upset that they're being woken up when uh, there's a mother or father or a grandmother or grandfather um, worried sick about a, a three-year-old. That uh, your responses from people asked about whether or not that you should be complaining when your phone goes off in the middle of the night because of an Amber Alert. Jamie Marocker is a global news reporter covering the story today, and she's on scene where I believe the mother and child were found today. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Alan. You're absolutely right. So they were located in an apartment in the Fort York area. Um, they have since been taken to the police station, though. What, what do we know about this Amber Alert? Was there ever any cause for concern here? Well, I had the chance to speak with the boy's father, the three-year-old boy's father, and he said that he wasn't so much concerned that his son was in danger, um, but his mother doesn't have custody of the child. That custody battle is still before the court. And the other issue was, um, there's some sort of medical issue involved. So I think that was the main concern as well. So that was the safety issue and why mm-hmm. perhaps police felt that they had to act. I I think I'm increasingly concerned about what's happening with the Amber Alert. This is the second one in recent times in which it appears that a custody dispute is at mm-hmm. the basis of this, and that is troubling. I do think that this sort of thing plays into many of those cases, right? You often have one parent taking away the child from another parent, so it would make sense that there's some sort of custody issue. Now, I will say the father did allude to some other issues that I can't speak of, especially because charges haven't yet been laid. I did call the detective just moments ago. Um, He's pretty busy, um, so he hasn't been able to confirm if they've laid any charges against this 25-year-old mother, Um, but I know that they are still at the station. This is still being dealt with. And you talk to people about this whole complaining about nine, uh, the oh, Amber yeah. Alert. Now, oh, yeah. help me understand this. You know, I am, obviously this is ludicrous. Why would you call 9-1? It's stupid. But every time they do it, on the news, you or me or somebody gets all high and mighty and don't do it and don't do it. I just think we should just shut up about it and just not mention it. Uh, you know what's so interesting? I got in a fight with an internet troll about this, telling me that I don't have the right to tell people not to complain. I totally disagree with you on this one, Alan. I think that people need to hear it time and time again if they're going to keep calling. And I want to know, for all you folks out there who did make the call to 911, wasn't that a bigger waste of your time than being woken up 
at five in the morning. I mean, is it really? I'm irritable at that time of the morning, Jamie. (laughs) I'm not a morning person. I'm on a morning (laughs) shift right now. I'm not a morning person. I'm the first person to admit it. And I mean, my husband yelled from the other room because I'm on the morning shift. We're not sleeping in the same room. (laughs) He yelled from the other room. He was like, what is that? Like, didn't even know what the Amber Alert was. I was like, it's an Amber Alert. Go back to sleep. And he went back to sleep. Like, can we all just get on board here? This is a child's safety. If you are selfish enough and you have enough time on your hands to pick up the phone and complain to 911, then you have enough time on your hands to look at your phone and acknowledge that there's been an Amber Alert. And you probably have enough time to just, you know, settle back into bed, fluff that pillow, and yeah, just go back to be, sleep. you got to be some kind of person. That's what all I'm Some saying. kind of... <laughs> Jamie Marocker says, you got to be some kind of person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About this. So when the troll was coming at me saying, like, how I, how dare I tell people that they can't call 911 to complain, I'm like, I will 100% stand behind that comment. Well, I, I listen, I 100% agree with you that anybody that's calling 911 is just a jerk. I mean, that's yeah, just yeah. dumb. And I don't yeah, care yeah. who, but here's what, what bothers me. And maybe it's just because I hate having the finger wagged at me. And when this happens, every time this happens, I go, there's like there's nobody actually out there, like you say, maybe other than a nameless troll. There's nobody out there who you can identify who's actually doing it. But every self righteous person out there, like, oh wow, I just <laughs> kind of get tired of that. Should we have public shaming? Should they actually list that? That is what social media is. It is public shaming. They, the police should just release those numbers with a picture beside it and said, this person called to complain about an Amber Alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's, here's our list of people who were caught soliciting uh, <laughs> prostitutes, and here's our list of people who called 911 for a wrong It's reason. the important stuff, right? <laughs> Jamie Marocker, thank you so much. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, Jamie. Time to talk about your teeth, ladies and gentlemen. And whether dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Yeah, dental plan is exactly the thing. Because if you do not have benefits, and even sometimes if you do, the idea of going to the dentist is not just terrifying for those regular reasons, namely the sound of that drill, but also for the reasons like they're going to hand you a bill at the end of it, that there is no way you are going to be able to pay. Now, in this province, in the most recent provincial budget, uh, the provincial government announced that they would have free dental for seniors. Now, that is considerably different than what was previously promised by the liberal government, much more expansive dental plan that they were going to roll out. Of course, that did not happen. The NDP also had an extensive dental plan that that they were going to roll out. I got uh, mugged pretty bad. No, not, no, see... Rob is playing the uh, stuff here. Thing is, Rob's a vegetarian, and a, I truly believe that a lack of meat will cause you to lose your concentration. 
I don't. That's just me. I don't know if there's any science behind that. Pass Ralph, me a slice of pepperoni. Let's uh, see. Let's see. Don't don't listen. I told you this is this is a family friendly radio show. Stop with that. Now, could you play the Simpsons again? Could you maybe? Lisa needs braces. That is the problem, is that very few of us have these dental plans. And if Lisa's going to need braces, oh my goodness. Around 86% of Canadians would support providing publicly funded dental care to those without insurance coverage. That's according to a recent opinion poll conducted by Ipsos for Global News. About one-third of Canadians are currently not covered by any dental insurance, including the person you'll hear from now, Stan Thompson, who's a comedian. He was mugged in 2005 and his teeth were destroyed. His career has gone away because nobody wants to look at a comedian with no teeth. He just can't afford the cost of the extensive work that is caused by that attack and that incident. Here's Stan now talking about his experience. I got uh, mugged pretty bad, stabbed a few times. As a result, I had to have uh, surgery on my carotid, and I was put into a medical uh, coma. And uh, I had some teeth knocked loose, and they just became worse and worse to the point where I could actually remove them myself by hand. I actually removed a couple. There was damage to a lot of teeth. It started going downhill from there. I somehow managed over time to save enough money to get a bottom plate done. Unfortunately, the top, I was missing maybe about 25% of my teeth. I can't afford it. You just can't afford to go to the dentist. You can't afford to do anything. That is Stan Thompson, who is a comedian, talking about what happened to him after he was mugged in 2005 and a number of his teeth were knocked out and the difficulty of being able to get any kind of work done simply because he can't afford it. In Ontario, anyone 65 and over making under $19,000 or 32k for couples qualify for free dental work. Complaints are that that is not nearly enough. Dr. David Stevenson is president of the Ontario Dental Association and joins me on the line now. Hi doc. Hi Alan, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Should Ontario have a more complete free dental plan? Yeah, they, they, it needs to have a balanced plan right now. Uh, you, you know, about uh, two-thirds of Ontarians and, and across the country uh, do have dental insurance, and they, they have access to some of the best dental services in the world. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to compromise that at all. But there is, there's about a third of the population that, uh, that doesn't have access to that. And we do have some government programs. I noticed you'd mentioned that earlier on the show. Uh, uh, at the moment, they're not, they're not properly funded. Uh, and we need to improve that. Uh, yeah, the new seniors plan is, is great to have. However, it, there's some, lim- some significant limitations with it. And it, it does, it's a, it's a missed opportunity by the current government. Obviously, you know that in Ontario, we had uh, various plans on the table in the last election. I mentioned that the Liberal one was quite extensive. The NDP one was even more so. And the electorate in this province opted that, no, that getting the finances under control is more important. So I think this all comes down to money and the public purse, does it not, Doctor? Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and, and I understand that, that the Ontario Dental Association, we understand the government's need to, to, to sort of balance the books and control the costs. But there does come a time uh, when you sort of, can you afford not to? Uh, you know, our dental health is extremely important to us. And, and Alan, I live this every day. I practice in a little town in the Ottawa Valley, and we see patients that come in. We see patients that come in on the government programs. We see patients that come in without dental insurance, and we do all we can. And our office is no different than, than thousands of dental offices across the province. But if we, can, if we can get people not scared to come to the dentist, coming to the dentist early, uh, get treatment early, preventative care so that they don't run into the problems that uh, one of the, the gentleman was speaking earlier on the show was talking about, that's, that's what we're really after. And, uh, you know, the dentists in Ontario, we've been, we've been wanting an improvement to the government programs that exist already. Uh, they need to be funded to the level where they can at least uh, funded to support the cost of delivering the care. Uh, the new seniors program, yes, you talk about it, that it says it's free to people over 65, but it's only to be delivered through public health units, and it's only to uh, public health units or community health centers or perhaps even a mobile bus. Well, Alan, you know, I live in a little town in place. We don't have a public health unit. The closest one is 50 kilometers away, and it's already overwork. So, yes, they announced this program. There really isn't the capacity to deal with it. We've got over 5,000 dental offices in the province province already that would be more than happy to help. Uh, We just wish the government would talk to us because we have a we have a whole bunch of knowledge, a whole bunch of expertise, and we can help them with this. Are you suggesting, are you saying that the provincial government just simply has not been interested in a dialogue? I'm not sure they're not interested in it. I think they were very interested in fulfilling a campaign promise, and it's, and it's difficult to try and, and criticize the government for doing that. I just, as I say, I think the better way to put it is it's a missed opportunity to speak with us. It really is. You, you mentioned something I just want to circle back to very quickly, and that's fear of the dentist. And I sort of talked about this off the top, that, you know, as a kid, you have a fear of the dentist for one reason, and now as an adult, you have a fear of the dentist for a completely different reason. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that fear comes from the fact that if if problems have been allowed to uh, carry on without treatment, uh, you know, right now we have it where a third of the population that doesn't have access to, to dental care, if they have a problem, they delay it, they delay it. And then quite frequently, they end up in a, in a hospital room emergency. And Alan, that's, that's just not appropriate. The hospital room emergencies aren't really equipped to, to deal with that problem. And, and that costs the province money, and it costs the patient care. They end up with a, a prescription for an antibiotic, uh, a painkiller, and they don't really get it treated. So the longer these problems are delayed, sometimes the more fearful we become. Uh, whereas if we can get into a dentist on a regular basis, have our teeth looked at, cared for with the problems early and catch it early, then it doesn't uh, cascade, it doesn't escalate into a situation that causes a lot of pain. And that's one of the biggest things about dealing with fear. Sometimes it just takes time and a few good experiences. And if we can get people early, you get those good experiences. Dr. David Stevenson is president of the Ontario Dental Association. And Doc, I've enjoyed speaking with you because this is the longest I've ever gone talking to a dentist without being asked how often I floss. (laughs) All right, Alan, I promise not to do that. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. (laughs)
Thanks. Thanks very much. Is there any kind of guilt, any kind of like self guilt that does that, that rivals that that feeling of like, well, how often do you floss? And you're like, well, every day. And you're like, hey. I don't, you know, Alan. I don't know. I'm married to a dentist, so I, I just ha- I have to I have to obey all the rules that I speak of. Oh, myself, are so you flossing each other before bed? Is that what happened? I don't actually don't answer that question. This is a family show. This all right. Thank show. you, Doc. Appreciate oh. that. All right. Let's move on before the CRTC calls again. Standards Council. Hi, how are you? Uh, I want to talk about Netflix and the fact, did you know this? There is no Netflix tax in this country, so it doesn't have to pay any sales tax because Netflix, of course, is not a Canadian company, unlike Canadian-based streaming services like Crave, for example. Uh, The company, Netflix, has a taxation advantage. So... What does that mean? Let's bring in Trevin Stratton, who's chief economist with the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. Uh, do you binge watch anything on Netflix, Trevin? Uh, yeah, I, I binge watch pretty much something every night. Really? You know what? I you know what I would recommend is just binge watching like Focus Ontario. That would be. That, I would prefer that you did that than watch Netflix, which does not provide any benefit whatsoever to the Canadian economy. Well, Netflix has a, a significant economic presence in Canada, but you're right. there uh, The sales tax is not currently being remitted. Not only that, but it is hollowing out uh, Canadian broadcasting. Because well, we can't compete with it. Why? And I'm just wondering, from, from your perspective, do you think the federal government will ever step in and say, no, no, Netflix, you not, you have to pony up too? Well, I think it's a, what's really important is that it's not just Netflix. There are a lot of digital services providers around. And, and it's, I think, and I can't emphasize this enough, is that these businesses aren't doing anything wrong. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, Netflix, uh, Netflix has offered to pay the sales tax if, if the laws were in place. Google has done that. Facebook has done that. Airbnb, Uber. What the real issue is, is that our tax laws haven't kept up with how quickly our economy is changing and transforming into a digital economy. And what kind of appetite is there at the federal level to get in there and muck around with taxation policy? Well, there have been a lot of a lot of calls for it, particularly from the business community. Not not only from the business community. I mean, OECD, IMF, the House of Commons uh, Finance Committee, the Senate uh, National Finance Committee. They've all called for a comprehensive review of the Canadian tax system. And one of the reasons is because I mean, our tax code is is half a century old. It was created before humankind walked on the moon. Uh, and if we're talking about applying a tax system that's fifty years old to a digital economy, it's not quite aligned. Uh, and so a lot of people are saying that issues of digital taxation should be included in that large-scale comprehensive review of the tax system. Trevin Stratton is chief economist of the Chamber of Commerce, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, in case you were wondering what country we were broadcasting in. I'll just bring that in there. <laughs> um, but I, before I let you go, Trevin, and that is this stuff is really fascinating, but what kind of thing do you like to binge watch? What's your guilty pleasure? Is it true crime? Is it food? What is it? Uh, so my wife likes procedurals, and she gets to control the remote. I'm I'm happy for you that you are still happily married. Continue on with that and enjoy the procedurals. Thanks, Trevin. Appreciate you being on. Thank you.
I've been watching you, watching me. Could it be the cash or the jewelry? You ain't fooling me, fool. Don't try schooling me. I got a game degree. Check the street. Tell me how you feeling me. Talk to me. Looking like a meal to me. Words you be shaking that. They shift the hips all that like that. Making it hard to fight back. Even if I didn't have a pot to piss, I better have you telling me the spots to get. I'm real. Regular with mine. Daytime, use a dime. But I'm a dumb. So give me mine. Give me what I want. Give me what I need. Tell me how you Everybody so excited in the city about what's coming on Wednesday night. And of course, that is game one of the Eastern Conference Final. The NBA Eastern Conference Final, the second time in franchise history that the Toronto Raptors are going to that show. Hopefully leading a better result this time around than last time when we were beaten by a guy named LeBron. We've been beaten by a guy named LeBron for many years. We don't have to worry about LeBron anymore. Now, I covered that. I actually traveled to Cleveland for Games 1 and 2, where we got just absolutely smoked. And now, we did come back and, I believe, won, win one game in that uh, series, maybe two, if I recall. But nevertheless, it was depressing. And, boy, are we all hoping for a better response from the team and a better start as they play the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm off to Milwaukee, and I just don't know anything about Milwaukee. In fact, this is all I know about Milwaukee. Did you guys love this show? I love this show. I never missed this show. Never missed it. Joining me on the line, just to let it let this ride out. Joining me on the line is Chuck Freeman. Chuck is with Milwaukee Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan. Chuck, when people play this, does it just make you want to scream? Well, this is, this is part of my Tuesday nights as a childhood. And you're forgetting the other half of that doubleheader. How about Happy Days? Remember Happy Days? Oh, I, yeah, I love a little. I love myself a little Happy Days. Little Chachi, little Joni. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Chuck, tell me, tell me about Milwaukee. What am I walking into when I arrive in your town later tonight? Well, we just talked about Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, and we're done. No, um, no, I think people have this. Uh, like we here, we think Canada's you know half the country is covered with ice, and all you guys do is play hockey. That's our sentiment of, of Canada, and I'm coming to Toronto on Sunday morning. Um, people think Milwaukee is just Laverne and Shirley, Fonzie, Happy Days, and then we drink beer all day and eat cheese. But, you know, we have festivals here. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful town. It's one of these towns, I think, that's really been, you know, the downtown area isn't great, but, uh, you know, it's a beautiful the suburbs. We've got temperatures in the 60s today. Um, we have a nice town. I mean, it's come a long ways over the years. Uh, Tell me about the arena, because, I, like, for example, our arena, when you come here, you're going to be blown away, because our arena is amazing. And not only that, it's in a, like it's right downtown, and you can walk around downtown, and downtown's awesome. There's food, there's bars, there's people everywhere. What's the situation like around the arena in Milwaukee? Well, because we've just built this new arena, Pfizer Forum, and right around the arena, it's called the, the Deer District. Deer District, as, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Deer District. And they are building up this area, and it is just really in its infancy of people going down there and hanging out. Because the downtown area, for years, not many people went downtown. It was kind of dead. But these new owners came in, bought the Milwaukee Bucks, saved the Bucks, built Pfizer Forum, and now there's bars and restaurants going around 
uh, the area, and it's it's kind of revitalized it a little bit. So you're going to see that. You're going to see uh, the Deer District as you walk into a uh, beautiful five serve Forum, and you know it's just a, it's a it's a terrific facility, and you know there's a, there's a buzz going around it. Hey, we haven't had the Eastern Conference Finals come here since 2001. We thought we'd be going to Toronto that year, but Vinnie Carter missed a short jumper and uh, ended up going to Philadelphia and lost in a seven-game series. So yeah, I know. And that, that ball rattling around with four bounces just exercised that ghost for the city of Toronto, and we've just finally now been able to forget that shot uh, because uh, we're going back. Before we get to the actual game, any questions for me about Toronto? Because here's one thing I might just mention. Wisconsin's not exactly, you know, tropical, dude. It's not much colder here. It's vacation land, though. It is, uh, we're like the vacation land of the United States. People come up here to go on vacation. We have uh, a lot of lakes, a lot of resorts, uh, you know, a lot of golfing, great golfing. That's what Wisconsin is mostly known about, other than the cheese. Uh, Laverne and Shirley. The but cheese. I, but I, I, I'm looking forward to see. I just had somebody 10 minutes ago ask me why I'm not driving to Canada because it's only a nine-and-a-half-hour trip. I'm flying in. I have not been to Toronto since Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania Six, what is now known as Rogers Center, but it was a full house at Skydome that afternoon on a Sunday. And I remember going down the town that day, Alan, in downtown, and you could have shot a cannon right through downtown Toronto because nothing was open. I hope things have changed a little bit. <laughs> well, that was probably the Sunday, Sunday clothes laws back then. The Protestant grip on this town has been loosened a little bit. We have a little bit more fun. We've got to quickly talk ball before I let you go. Uh, your prediction. I know you're going to say uh, the, the Bucks, but what do you think in terms of games? Yeah, I, I think this is going to go five or six, and I don't see an area where Toronto would have an edge mark. A bench check, box check, superstar, Giannis over Kawhi, check. A starting five, check Milwaukee Bucks. You know, you guys got us two years ago in the playoffs and, uh, and ended some dreams, but I think this Bucks team is headed for an NBA uh, finals round with the Golden State Warriors. I think he... I, Are you in Milwaukee? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you live in Milwaukee at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's penance for you right there. Uh, I think Milwaukee's going to win it in six games. Uh, I say I say wraps in seven. I don't disagree. It's going to be a tough matchup for us. But Kawhi is on fire. Best player in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs, I respectfully submit. And our bench is deeper. It's just they haven't shown up yet. But if they show up in this series, you guys are gone in seven. I'll tell you, have you heard of a player named Giannis Antetokounmpo who's taken this town by storm? I think Giannis is averaging about 35 points a game. In that Boston series, I think uh, this this series belongs to the Bucks bench and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And going back to the NBA Finals for the first time, Alan, since 1974, when we lost a seven-game series two arenas ago to the Boston Celtics. Chuck Freeman is with Milwaukee Sports Radio 105.7, the fan. Chuck, thanks so much for being on the show, and I uh, hope to see you when I'm in Milwaukee. We'll, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow night at the uh, at Pfizer Forum. All right, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and I will just say it's going to be the claw over the freak.
Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this next segment. We are going to talk about television versus movies. And if you're like me, you probably don't go to a whole lot of movies anymore. Now, I love the movies. I just love film. I love everything about it. But lately, television has taken over my life. And episodic television over the last 10 to 15 years has just taken over popular culture in a way that I don't know any if anybody expected that it would. And to talk about this, I am joined by Laura Hensley and Chris Jancelowitz, who are Global News National Online Reporters. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Okay, here we go. I'm going to, let's just get right to it. I'm going to play two pieces of audio for you. Here, hit this one. Okay, obviously, everybody knows. What, what, what's that? Everybody knows <laughs> that this is the Seinfeld uh, theme. No. Now, everybody knows that when this comes on, somebody's going to lose a head. Somebody somewhere is going to get chopped off or their head's going to be ripped off. Their body. Now, 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 let's play this. This next one. Also, should be recognizable if Rob can find it. There it is. Now, do you know what that is immediately? I do, but uh, I cover movies. You know what? I do not. That does not... See, now that tells me something right there. This is the theme to the Avengers. Yes. Right? I didn't know that. It's okay. (laughs) You can still stay. It's fine. (laughs) But the question is... What is more relevant today, film or television? Obviously, Avengers just smashed all the box office records. Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, like, let's think about it, right? Avengers is massive. Billions of dollars generated. It overtook Titanic. Uh, It's huge. Overtook Avatar as well. So, you know, this is like the second highest grossing movie ever of all time. It's probably going to be number one, I would imagine. In a few weeks, but then how do you how do you line that up against the fact that the entire world seems to shut down Sundays at nine right now? It's just you know you're going to have these occasional uh, blockbusters, something like Avengers, right? Something like Spider Man, these huge movies that get huge. Avengers is its own beast, though, and this is a rare thing. It's probably going to happen like but I mean, once a year. Compare that to, to compare that yeah. to, to Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones is uh, on its way out, so it's got huge following at the moment. I get goosebumps hearing the theme song. It's a fact, but. You know, how can you compare those two going forward? How can you? How can you? Well, I'm asking you to, Laura. What do you think is more relevant and more important culturally? Well, I think the fact that I couldn't tell you that that was an Avengers (laughs) theme song, I think speaks volumes. Like, I'm really tapped into television series, and I really love following things I'm interested in, but there's certain films that I just will not go and see. I think with the Avengers, for example, I just was not interested in seeing it. It's genre just not, didn't, it just didn't appeal to me. And, you know, I think the beauty of television is that if something doesn't appeal to you, you can kind of know after a few minutes and turn it off. When you're going to see a film, you're committing to an hour and a half, two hours, and plus like $25 for a ticket. So for me, there's more at stake. Whereas with television, I can kind of curate my own experience. Now, were you always like this? Have you been a film goer in the past? I mean, I think growing up I was, definitely, because that was the only place I could go to entertain myself in my youth. But I I feel like now, because television and quality television is so accessible, you know, with HBO, with Netflix, with Crave, you can get incredible production value at home. You don't need to go to the big screen the same way you did in the past. So there's more options, I find, and I like the ability to choose what I want to see when I want to see it. And let's also not forget that Avengers has, like, years of mythology, you know, and if you're not 
attuned to it. You just don't have that same connection. Certainly. I mean, people compare it to like Game of Thrones. If you had not watched it at all, would you just suddenly drop into this last season? Well, no, you wouldn't. But the difference being my co-anchor Farah Nasser, for example, was in that boat and now she's binge watching the thing and in every day, like she comes in like, oh my God, the Red Wedding. Oh my God. She's operating on like a two-year day. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, yeah. But so... Let's let's do this. Let's all talk about the things that I would. I mean, what I think is the greatest television uh, program of all times, and this is where I think the 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 balance tipped for me because I I went to see movies all through my youth growing up. I love movies, uh, but during the mid aughts, you know, I had a, I had kids to begin with, and then I started watching. That is the theme song to one of the seasons of The Wire. Of course, every new season had a new artist singing that song. That's a Tom Waits song originally. The Wire, to me, broke the mold. I still think it's the greatest television uh, series of all time. Better than Sopranos, better than Game of Thrones. And for that, all of a sudden, movies got left in the past. I agree. I mean, I love The Wire as well. And I think with a series like that, even if you're a few years late to it, if you didn't watch it when it was first coming out, you can still appreciate and value it years later. And you can, you know, we talked about binge watch it if you really want to, but the production value, the quality, the storytelling, the character development, it was just so incredible that you really felt a connection to the people you saw on TV. And for me too, like The Wire, that was an experience where I felt like I was investing in these people for years. And I don't think you get that with movies. We only have a couple of minutes left. What are you going to defend? Chris, what do you got? Uh, certain TV show that everyone talks about, even hit, now. Hit it. Is it Knight Rider? <laughs> I wish. I do love Kit. <laughs> Kit was great. No, uh, this is Breaking Bad. Oh, right. Of course. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, it's similar to The Wire in that it's this is long-term, uh, invested show where you care so much about the characters. Uh, every season is so dense. So much happens. There's beautiful cinematography. I mean, it's just like hitting every button. Amazing. I liked it. I thought there was a lot of filler in it, though. That would be my one criticism. There's a, like that fly episode where you just watch oh. them chase a fly. That was like one of those best of episodes. It's a complete waste of time. What are you defending? <laughs> I love Veep. <laughs> She got the idea. She got the idea. We're going to put that down now. Go ahead, Laura. I'm sorry. I spoiled it. But it's Veep. I love Veep. I think Veep's hilarious. Um, I think that it's such an important comedy. And it's so tapped into what's going on in politics at this time. And I think that the cast is amazing. The way that they've been able to carry the conversations that are happening in the world right now. It's just, for me, Veep is incredible. And see, isn't that interesting that it doesn't have to be a drama? It can be a comedy. It can be just as compelling and just as addictive. And, and the fact that we all pick TV shows, I think, tells us a whole lot about the uh, beginning of our debate in whether or not TV had eclipsed uh, movies as the key thing. And obviously that's true. And I, and I just will say goodbye. Laura Hensley and Chris Jenselowitz from Global News National Online Reporters, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to break this news to you, which is sad. Uh, Carol Burnett show star Tim Conway has died at the age of 85. That is just coming in. You talk about TV. That is a previous iteration when TV was in a golden age, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
You don't know who Tim Conway is. No, I do. Yeah, I didn't know what you wanted me to say. No, no. See, because everybody's a child. Everybody's like a millennial. You guys aren't even, you're not even old enough to be a millennial, are you? Yes, I am. Are How you? old do you think I am? I'm Gen X, Alan. Never. So don't even, don't yeah, me, me too, Alan. I'm a never, Gen X. Right? Never answer that question when a woman says, How old do you think I am? Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Chris. I'm off. Hey, I'm going to Milwaukee. I'm Enjoy. going to Milwaukee to cover the uh, the Raps game. So uh, join me. Uh, uh, when I'm in Milwaukee, you'll see me on I'm the television. I'm a fun guy. Thank you. And Kawhi's going to be there as well. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Lisa needs braces.